Church families, we continue to worship this morning. I'm going to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and to open with me to Psalm 55 this morning. Psalm 55, as we continue in this series, Hope from the Psalms, Psalm 55 is the passage that will guide us and ground us as the people of God this morning. Et tu brute. Et tu brute is one of the most famous lines in English literature. Shakespeare places these words upon Julius Caesar as he realizes that his own nephew has betrayed him. It stands the test of time because there is, in many ways, a universal sting to betrayal that all cultures and all people do recognize. There's little in life that is more painful than the sweetness of an intimate and close relationship turning sour. It's one thing for someone to dislike you from afar. It's one thing for someone to misapprehend uh, you and misunderstand you from a distance. But betrayal requires proximity. Betrayal requires the cords of trust being severed. And so betrayal is something that, that strikes us at a, at a very deep place. And the pains of betrayal, unfortunately, are not just confined, uh, confined to the storylines of a Shakespearean play, but rather they can become our own storyline. When a trusted confidant betrays a secret, a longstanding business partner fails to keep their end of the deal, a friend disappears and you need her you need him the most or even a spouse betrays their vows now if any of you have walked down that road of betrayal and that uh, storyline of betrayal has intersected your storyline you need to know that you are not alone that the very word of the lord speaks to hope even for the betrayed heart Psalm 55 reads to the choir master with stringed instruments, a maskal of David, verse 1, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away and would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it's not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from it. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. 
Let death still over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. For evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God. And the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan. And he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O oh God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. Psalm 55 speaks intimately to an emotion that is, is very, very deep and very real. And the pain of betrayal is dripping off the words of Psalm 55. It comes as a trio of psalms. If you turn a few pages back, you'll get to Psalm 52 and then Psalm 54 that all take up the refrain of betrayal. We have subscripts with chapter 52 and chapter 54 that gives us a little bit of his, historical detailing of Saul uh, coming after David and people hunting him down and betraying him. In Psalm 55 here, we, we don't know who the Brutus to David was in the psalm, who was the betrayer. We don't know that for sure. Many scholars would, would place this a little further in the, David's life here as he's dealing with the betrayal within his own family. I mean, to follow David's story in the Old Testament is to enter into this soap opera of pain and sin that just runs full course uh, across his family members and in so many ways. And, and many people would tie Psalm 55 to Absalom's betrayal of David, David's own son. Do you remember the twist and the turns that were so dramatic and so painful? Absalom murders his own brother, Amnon, who, who took advantage of his own sister, Tamar, Sin is just running rampant in, in David's home, and the effects of it are absolutely devastating. And Absalom says, I'm going to avenge the real injustice that has occurred to my sister Tamar here, and I'm going to become the judge, I'm going to become the jury, and I'm going to become the executioner. And I'm going to kill my brother. And so here we have David, this father, seeing his son being murdered by his brother after his brother has committed this horrendous crime against his own daughter. You see in this passage here with Amnon's death and Absalom as the murderer and Tamar as the victim here, you just see the twists and the turns of sin just uh, intersecting this passage. And, and you thought that your family had, had a little bit of dysfunction in it. No, you don't have anything compared to the way sin gets a hold of this family. And so if you remember the story, David is absolutely devastated. 
If you remember, not immediately, but over time, he, he welcomes Absalom back into the home and into the fold. And do you remember how Absalom re- repays this? Well, he does it in this way here. He decides that he is going to overthrow his father's kingdom. And he conspires to do that. He slanders his father's reputation. He lies to his father and lies about his father. He forces his father to go into hiding. He takes even the most intimate of counselors of David, Ahithophel, into his own confidence here. And Ahithophel, he he comes alongside of Absalom and betrays David. And it very well may be that this is the background of Psalm 55. And now as we listen to this passage, you can hear the heartache emanating off the pages of Scripture. There's sort of screaming out pain that is before you. Listen again in verse 12, for it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from it. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, a familiar friend. Maybe he's talking about Ahithophel here. Notice he says, we used to take sweet counsel together. Those three words right there are very true words for anyone that has been the recipient of betrayal. Those three words describe a a lot of relationships that are sort of in the rearview mirror as you look upon your life. Maybe maybe you could fill in the the words of that in your own heart, in your own life. And you you could think of someone who was as close to a brother or a sister to you, someone who you loved intimately and deeply. And and then unfortunately, you, you know the sting of we used to. We used to be so close. But, you know, after, we used to be inseparable, but, you know, after, we we used to do everything together. We would vacation together, we would be together, but, after. When the psalm here, it, it, it is... It is for anyone who knows what it is to have relationships that are broken in the rearview mirror of life. And you wonder to yourself, is there any hope? Because these are disorienting times for David and they're disorienting times for you. If anyone has been the recipient of of the shrapnel of sin that can intersect any person's heart and any person's life, and when it comes with betrayal and that is so close to us, the, the way that David describes this is revealing in so many ways. If you look in verse two, you have all these emotions. It's really just this plethora of emotions that are coming off the page. Verse 2, he's restless with distraction. He can't focus. There's just internal angst inside of him. Verse 4, the terrors of death have fallen upon me. There's a fear that grips his heart. He he says as much in verse 5, fear and trembling have come upon me. Horror overwhelms him. There is this spirit of fear that accompanies the betrayal that he is intersected in. Verse 8, he says, if I had wings like a dove, I would get out of town. 
I would fly away and be at rest. He is disoriented. He is fearful. It leads him to want to flee. The full range of emotions is here upon display. And if any of you have walked down this road, you know that you too can experience that that full range of emotions that that can be so disquieting to you because from moment to moment, from day to day, from week to week, it just seems like another uh, array of emotions they connect to you and you can't sort of control it in that moment. And we wonder, is there any hope to move forward after betrayal has intersected your life. And if we listen to this passage, know that fear doesn't get the last word. David's desire to flee doesn't get the last word. David's fear in this moment doesn't get the last word. Notice not only the pain of betrayal in this psalm, but notice the path forward from the pain of betrayal that we see in this psalm. It's it's one word that turns this psalm on a dime. Do you see it? Right there in verse 16, it's a conjunction, but, but, he's distressed, he's disoriented, he wants to flee, fear has overwhelmed him, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moaning. He hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. All around him seems to be crumbling, but the one thing that is steady is God, who is steadfast, unmovable, and he turns to him. And it is a reminder to us that God invites us to trust him with our betrayed heart. That God invites us to trust him with our betrayed heart. In the midst of this psalm here, there's an invitation to take refuge in the steadfast friendship of God. That that, that when friends become foes, and family members disappoint, and co-workers do not live up to their word, there is one who will never fail you. There is one who will never leave you. There is one who is sure and one who is steady, and it's in that moment that we turn to him. And notice how the psalm, it grounds all the time. He says, I don't know what's going on around me. I don't know what's going on around me, but evening and morning and noon, I bring my heartache to the Lord. Outside of Psalm 55, in, in the margin, you could you can write by verse 16. This is the uh, Old Testament precursor to a wonderful passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, that just simply says, Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. So in, in this moment, learning to cast our cares upon God, it enables us. Not not to flee from reality, but actually to face reality. This isn't escapism, that that we're, we're, we're ignoring the difficulty. Rather, we're staring it in the face and calling it what it is. 
But in light of what it is, you can stand tall and carry on with your life and not allow the trail to define you nor actually to confine you in that moment because God is steadfast. God is sure, God is solid, and he enables us to courageously rebuild while all that around us seems to have fallen, and he, in that moment, will hold you fast. I hope you know that he is faithful when unfaithfulness abounds around you. I I hope that you know that he is close to you when you feel abandoned and all alone. I, I hope that you know this morning that he is unfailing in his love. I hope that you know this morning, Christian, that God's love is strong enough to overcome any human love that has failed you. I hope that you know this morning that the promise of the gospel is that his love is strong enough to overcome any human love that has betrayed you. Would you this morning trust God with your betrayed heart? But also this morning, the psalm gives us a path forward that is not only a path on our knees and supplication and crying out to him, but it is also, it is also an invitation to trust God with our betrayer. Now, there's a deep desire within each and every one of us to get even with people. There, there is a deep desire within all of us to go the way of Absalom, to become the judge and the jury and the executioner wrapped up in one. There, there is a deep desire in us sometimes for vengeance. And notice what David is doing in this psalm that I think is helpful. David is trusting God with his betrayer instead of going after the betrayer. God is the one he flees to instead of David fleeing to confront this betrayer. Notice again in verse 22, because it's easy to miss it. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved, but you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Notice what he's saying here. God, you are sovereign and every evil will be accounted for. Men of blood and treachery, verse 23, shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. Those are strong words in the psalm here. They're an invitation for all of us. As, as we move forward, this psalm gives us a directional pointer for any person that has been wronged. You, you, you cannot, you know that the old adage, forgive and forget. Yes, you are called to forgive, but, but you cannot forget. Real evil occurs. And so this idea to forget it, it minimizes it. And what David is doing here, there's no minimization of the evil that has occurred. There's no, oh, no big deal. Everything's okay. No, I mean, there's real sin here. And that real sin has to be accounted for. And the same love that holds us and heals us in the wake of betrayal also frees us, Christian, from having to administer justice. Now, justice is vitally important, but it is important for us to understand our our human limitations. 
And every sin that is committed against us will be punished through the death of Jesus, his son, or the horrors of hell. And some of you are here and you say, well, David, I mean, all this sounds good, but you don't know the half of it. I mean, you, you do not know what I've experienced. You do not know how betrayal has haunted me. And intersected with my life here. And you know something? I don't. But I know one who does. I, I, I don't. But do you know this morning, child of God, that your salvation was purchased through the betrayal of Jesus himself? Do you know that the cross was paved with the rock you pavement of betrayal as one of the 12 kisses Jesus on the cheek? Do you know that the path of the cross was, was the path that Jesus traveled where one of, the, uh, one of the three, one of the most intimate to Jesus, Peter himself, would deny Jesus not once, not twice, but three times? So no, I, I do not know what you have experienced, what you are experiencing, what you might will experience. I do not know how betrayal has intersected your life, but this I know, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, but one whom in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So your Savior knows what it is in his human experience to experience betrayal. And more than that, upon the cross, every betrayal, every sin that ever has been committed was laid upon him, and he absorbs it with his justice. He absorbs it with the cleansing power of the cross of Jesus. So we turn to him for hope, even for our betrayed Betrayal doesn't have to have the last word in your life. I doubt that Israeli Crystal is a name that many of you know, but he was 114 years old when he passed away, and it's tempting for us to think for a person to live 114 years that it had to be a lot of ease and comfort that got him to that longevity of life. You'd be wrong to assume that. He was a Holocaust survivor. He was born in Poland in 1903. He experienced the horrors of the concentration camp there in Auschwitz. He was confined there. Two of his children died when he was there. His wife was brutally killed. When he was freed, he weighed 82 pounds. He was the only member of his family to survive the horrors that he experienced. When he was freed, all that grounded him was behind him and gone. All that he knew to live for was behind him and was lost. But bitterness did not get the last word in his life. He turned to God. He was an observant Jew all of his life. And while his entire world was destroyed, he was married again. And he married a Holocaust survivor 
They had children, and he moved to Israel. And interestingly enough, out of all the occupations that he could choose to rebuild his life with, he opened a candy store. He made chocolates for a living. You could go into his store, and you could get chocolates or all these sweets that you could choose from. And people that knew him, they would say this about him, that there was no hint of bitterness in his heart. That actually, if you were close to him, uh, you, could, you could taste, literally, the candy that he was selling. You could taste the sweetness that he offered you, not only what he sold, but in his own life, there was a sweetness and a tenderness to him. He had every reason for bitterness to engulf his heart, but he chose another path. How much more so should we as children of the Most High God, redeemed by Jesus Christ, hear this psalm and understand that you too, through the power of the Holy Spirit in you, can choose a path that is not the path of bitterness. But when people get close to you, they taste the sweetness of your Savior. Sweetness that has overcome the bitterness of betrayal that might haunt you and might even tempt to engulf you. So these last six words of this psalm are six words that I encourage you to walk in this week through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I will trust in you. But I will trust in you. A friend has become a foe, but I will trust in you. My marital vows are, 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 are on the rocks here, and I don't know where we're going, but I will trust in you. These six words, they're strong enough to carry you over the highest of waves of betrayal. And so the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you turn to God even this morning? Would you resist the, the impulse to take things in your own hands or even in your own words? Would you, would you rest your heart in his steady hands? Would you rest that broken relationship in his steady hands? And would you rest your future in his steady hands? But I will trust in you. Let us pray.